The following is a conversation with Rohit Prasad. He's the vice president and head scientist of Amazon Alexa and one of its original creators. The Alexa team embodies some of the most challenging, incredible, impactful, and inspiring work that is done in AI today. The team has to both solve problems at the cutting edge of natural language processing and provide a trustworthy, secure, and enjoyable experience to millions of people. This is where state-of-the-art methods in computer science meet the challenges of real-world engineering. In many ways, Alexa and the other voice assistants are the voices of artificial intelligence to millions of people and an introduction to AI for people who have only encountered it in science fiction. This is an important and exciting opportunity. And so the work that Rohit and the Alexa team are doing is an inspiration to me and to many researchers and engineers in the AI community. This is the Artificial Intelligence Podcast. If you enjoy it, subscribe on YouTube, give five stars on Apple Podcasts, support it on Patreon, or simply connect with me on Twitter. Alex Friedman, spelled F-R-I-D-M-A-N. If you leave a review on Apple Podcasts especially, but also CastBox or comment on YouTube, consider mentioning topics, people, ideas, questions, quotes, in science, tech, or philosophy that you find interesting, and I'll read them on this podcast. I won't call out names, but I love comments with kindness and thoughtfulness in them, so I thought I'd share them. Someone on YouTube highlighted a quote from the conversation with Ray Dalio where he said that you have to appreciate all the different ways that people can be A players. This connects with me too. Uh, on teams of engineers, it's easy to think that raw productivity is the measure of excellence, but there are others. I've worked with people who brought a smile to my face every time I got to work in the morning. Their contribution to the team is immeasurable. I recently started doing podcast ads at the end of the introduction. I'll do one or two minutes after introducing the episode, and never any ads in the middle that break the flow of the conversation. I hope that works for you. It doesn't hurt the listening experience. This show is presented by Cash App, the number one finance app in the App Store. I personally use Cash App to send money to friends, but you can also use it to buy, sell, and deposit Bitcoin in just seconds. Cash App also has a new investing feature. You can buy fractions of a stock, say $1 worth, no matter what the stock price is. Brokerage services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square, and member SIPC. I'm excited to be working with Cash App to support one of my favorite organizations called FIRST, best known for their FIRST robotics and Lego competitions. They educate and inspire hundreds of thousands of students in over 110 countries and have a perfect rating on Charity Navigator, which means the donated money is used to maximum effectiveness. When you get Cash App, from the App Store, Google Play, and use code LEXPODCAST, you'll get $10. And Cash App will also donate $10 to FIRST, which again is an organization that I've personally seen inspire girls and boys to dream of engineering a better world. This podcast is also supported by ZipRecruiter. Hiring great people is hard, and to me is one of the most important elements of a successful mission-driven team. I've been fortunate to be a part of and lead several great engineering teams. The hiring I've done in the past was mostly through tools we built ourselves, but reinventing the wheel was painful. ZipRecruiter is a tool that's already available for you. It seeks to make hiring simple, fast, and smart. For example, Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner used ZipRecruiter to find a new game artist to join her education tech company. 
By using ZipRecruiter's screening questions to filter candidates, Gretchen found it easier to focus on the best candidates. And finally, hiring the perfect person for the role in less than two weeks from start to finish. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes by signing up, as I did, for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash LexPod. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash LexPod. And now, here's my conversation with Rohit Prasad. In the movie Her, I'm not sure if you've ever seen it, human falls in love with the voice of an AI system. Let's start at the highest philosophical level before we get to deep learning and some of the fun things. Do you think this, what the movie Her shows, is within our reach? I think uh, not specifically about Her, but I think what we are seeing is a massive increase in adoption of AI assistance or AI in all parts of our social fabric. And I think it's what I do believe is that the utility these AIs provide, some of the functionalities that are shown are absolutely within reach. So the some of the functionalities in terms of the interactive elements, but in terms of the deep connection that's purely voice-based, do you think such a close connection is possible with voice alone? It's been a while since I saw her, but I would say in terms of the... Uh, in terms of interactions which are both human-like and in these AI assistants, you have to value what is also superhuman. We as humans can be in only one place. AI assistants can be in multiple places at the same time. One with you on your mobile device, one at your home, one at work. So you have to respect these superhuman capabilities too. Plus, as humans, we have certain attributes we're very good at, very good at reasoning. AI assistants not yet there, uh, but in the realm of AI assistants, what they're great at is computation, memory, it's infinite and pure. These are the attributes you have to start respecting. So I think the comparison with human-like versus the other, other aspect, which is also superhuman, has to be taken into consideration. So I think we need to elevate the discussion to not just human-like. So there's certainly elements we just mentioned, Alexa's everywhere. Uh, computation is speaking. So this is a much bigger infrastructure than just the thing that sits there in the room with you. But it certainly feels to us mere humans that there's just another little creature there when you're interacting with it. You're not interacting with the entirety of the infrastructure, mm-hmm. you're interacting with the device. The feeling is, okay, sure, we anthropomorphize things, but uh, that feeling is still there. So what do you think we as humans, the purity of the interaction with a smart assistant, what do you think we look for in in that interaction? I think in the certain interactions, I think will be very much where it does feel like a human uh, because it has a persona of its own. And in certain ones, it wouldn't be. So I think a simple example to think of it is if you're walking through the house and you just want to turn on your lights on and off and you're issuing a command, that's not very much like a human-like interaction, and that's where the AI shouldn't come back and have a conversation with you. Just it should simply complete that command. 
so those, I think the blend of, we have to think about this is not human-human alone. Mm-hmm. It is a human-machine interaction and certain aspects of humans are needed and certain aspects or in situations demand it to be like a machine. So I told you, it's going to be philosophical <laughs> in parts. Uh, what, what's the difference between human and machine in that interaction? When we interact two humans, especially those that are friends and loved ones versus you and a machine that you also are close with? I think the uh, you have to think about the roles the AI plays, right? So, And it differs from different customer to customer, different situation to situation. Uh, especially I can speak from Alexa's perspective, it is a companion, a friend at times, an assistant, and an advisor down the line. So I think most AIs will have this kind of attributes and it will be very situational in nature. So where is the boundary? I think the boundary depends on exact context in which you're interacting with the AI. So the depth and the richness of natural language conversation is been, by Alan Turing, been used to try to define what it means to be intelligent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of criticism of that kind of test, but w- what do you think is a good test of intelligence in your view in the context of the Turing test and Alexa with the Alexa prize, this whole realm, do you think about this human intelligence, what it means to define it, what it means to reach that level? I do think the ability to converse is a uh, sign of an ultimate intelligence. I think that is no question about it. So if you think about all aspects of humans, there are sensors we have, and uh, those are basically a data collection mechanism. And based on that, we make some decisions with our sensory brains, right? Mm -hmm. And from that perspective, I think there are elements we have to talk about how we sense the world and then how we act based on what we sense. Those elements clearly machines have. But then there's the other aspects of computation that is way better I also mentioned about memory again in terms of being near infinite depending on the storage capacity you have. And the retrieval can be extremely fast and pure uh, in terms of like there's no ambiguity of who did I see when, <laughs> right? I mean, if you, uh, machines can remember that quite well. So it again, on a philosophical level, I do subscribe to the fact that to con- be able to converse and as part of that to be able to reason based on the world knowledge you've acquired and the sensory knowledge that is there is definitely very much the essence of intelligence. But intelligence can go beyond human level intelligence based on what machines are getting capable of. So what do you think, maybe stepping outside of Alexa broadly as an AI field, what do you think is a good test of intelligence? Put it another way, outside of Alexa, because so much of Alexa is a product, is an Mm -hmm. experience for the customer. On the research side, what would impress the heck out of you if you saw? You know, what is the test where you said, wow, this thing is now starting to encroach into the realm of what we loosely think of as human intelligence? So, well, we think of it as AGI and human intelligence AGI. all together, right? So in some sense, <laughs> and I think we are quite far from that. Uh, I think uh, an unbiased view I have is that the Alexis intelligence capability is a great test. I think of it as there are many other proof points like self-driving cars, game playing like Go or chess. Let's take those two for as an example. Sure. Uh, clearly requires a lot of data-driven learning and intelligence, but it's not as hard a problem as conversing with 
as an AI is with humans to accomplish certain tasks or open domain chat, as you mentioned, like yeah. surprise. In those settings, the key difference is that the end goal is not defined, unlike game playing. You also do not know exactly what state you are in, in a particular goal completion scenario. <laughs> in certain sense, sometimes you can if it is a simple goal, but if you're even certain examples like planning a weekend or you, you can imagine how many th things change along the way. Uh, you look for weather, you may change your mind and you, uh, you change the destination or you want to catch a particular event and then you decide, no, I want this other event I want to go to. So these dimensions of how many different steps are possible when you're conversing as a human with a machine makes it an extremely daunting problem. And I think it is the ultimate test for intelligence. And don't you think that natural language is enough to prove that conversation, just uh, pure conversation? From a scientific standpoint, natural language uh, is a great test, uh, but I would go beyond, uh, I don't want to limit it to as natural language as simply understanding an intent or parsing for entities and so forth. We are really talking about dialogue. Dialogue, and, yeah. uh, So, So I would say human-machine dialogue is definitely one of the best tests of intelligence. So can you briefly speak to the Alexa Prize for people who are not familiar with it and, uh -huh. and also just maybe where things stand and what have you learned and what's surprising? What have you seen that's surprising uh -huh. from this incredible competition? Absolutely, it's a very exciting competition. Uh, Alexa Prize is essentially a grand challenge in conversational artificial intelligence where we threw the gauntlet to the universities uh, who do uh, active research in the field to say, can you build a, what we call a social bot that can converse with you coherently and engagingly for 20 minutes? Uh, that is an extremely hard challenge, uh, talking to someone in a, uh, who you're meeting for the first time, or even if you're, <laughs> you've met them quite often, uh, to speak at 20 minutes on any topic and evolving nature of topics is super hard. Uh, we have completed two successful years of the competition. First was one with the University of Washington, second the University of California. We are in our third instance. We have an extremely strong team of 10 cohorts. And the third instance of the, uh, of the Alexa Prize is underway now. And we are seeing a constant evolution. First year was definitely a learning. It was a lot of things to be put together. We had to build uh, a lot of infrastructure to enable these universities to be able to build magical experiences and uh, and do high quality research. Just a few quick questions, sorry yeah. for the interruption. What does failure look like in the 20 minute session? So what does it mean to fail not to reach the 20 minute mark? Oh, awesome question. Uh, so there are one, first of all, uh, I forgot to mention one more detail. It's not just 20 minutes, but the quality of the conversation too, that matters. And uh, the beauty of this competition, before I answer that question on what failure means, is first that you actually converse with millions and millions of customers as these social bots. Uh, so during the judging phases, uh, there are multiple phases, uh, before we get to the finals, which is a very controlled judging in a situation where we, have, uh, we bring in judges and we have interactors who interact with these social bots, that is a much more controlled setting. But to, till the point we get to the finals, all the judging is essentially by the customers of Alexa. And there you basically rate uh, on a simple question how good your experience was. Mm. Uh, so that's where we are not testing for a 20-minute uh, boundary being uh, crossed because you do want it to be very much like a 
clear cut winner be chosen and uh, and it's an absolute bar <laughs> so did you really uh, break that 20 minute barrier is why we have to test it in a more controlled setting with actors essentially interactors and see how the conversation goes so this is why it's a subtle difference between how it's being tested in the field with real customers versus in the lab to award the prize so on the latter one what it means is that essentially the uh, the there are three judges and two of them have to say this conversation has stalled essentially mm-hmm. got it and the judges are human experts that are judges been... are human experts okay great so this, this is in the third year so what's been the evolution how far so in the darpa challenge in the first year no, the autonomous vehicles nobody finished in the second <laughs> year a few more finished in the desert uh so how far along in this I would say much harder challenge are we. This challenge has come a long way to the extent that uh, we're definitely not close to the 20 minute barrier being with coherence and engaging uh, conversation. I think we are still 5 to 10 years away in that horizon to complete that. Um uh, but the progress is immense. Like uh what you're finding is the accuracy in what kind of responses these social bots generate is getting better and better. uh what's even amazing to see that uh now there's humor coming in the bots are quite uh, awesome <laughs> <laughs> you know you're talking about ultimate science of intel- uh, science of intelligence i think humor is a very high bar mm-hmm. in terms of what it takes to create humor uh and i don't mean just being goofy i really mean good sense yeah. of humor is also a sign of intelligence in my mind and something very hard to do so these social bots are now exploring not only what we think of natural language abilities but also personality attributes and uh, aspects of when to inject an appropriate joke when to uh, when you don't know the quest, uh, the domain how you come back with something more intelligible so that you can continue the conversation if if you and I are talking about ai and we are domain experts we can speak to it but if you suddenly switch a topic to that i don't know of how do i change the conversation so you're starting to notice these elements as well and that's coming from partly by by the nature of the 20 minute challenge that people are getting quite clever on how to uh, really converse and uh, essentially mask some of the understanding defects if they exist so some of this this is not alexa the product this is somewhat for fun for research for innovation and so on i have a question sort of in this modern era there's a lot of if you look at uh, twitter and facebook and so on there's there's discourse public discourse going on and some things that are a little bit too edgy people get blocked and so on I, i'm just out of curiosity are people in this context pushing the limits is anyone using the f word is anyone uh sort of pushing back uh, sort of uh you know arguing i guess i should say in as part of the dialogue to really draw people in first of all let me just back up a bit in terms yeah. of why we are doing this right so uh you said it's fun uh, i think fun is uh, more part of the uh, engaging part for customers it is one of the most uh, used skills as well in our skill store but up that apart the real goal was essentially what was happening is with lot of ai research moving to industry uh, we felt that academia has the risk of not being able to have the same resources at disposal that we have which is lots of data massive computing power uh and a clear uh ways to test these ai advances with uh real customer benefits so we brought all these three together in the lexa prize that's why it's one of my favorite projects in amazon 
And uh, with that, uh, the secondary effect is, yes, it has become engaging for our customers as well. Uh, we're not there in terms of where we want to, it to be, <laughs> right? But it's a huge progress. But coming back to your question yeah. on how do the conversations evolve? Yes, there is some uh, natural attributes of what you said in terms of argument and yeah. some amount of swearing. The way we take care of that is that there is a sensitive filter we have built that sees keywords and so on. It's more than keywords, a little more in terms of, uh, uh, of course, there's keyword base too, but there's more in terms of these words can be very contextual, as you right. can see, and also the topic can be uh, something that you don't want a conversation to happen uh, because this is a communal device as well. A lot of people use these devices. So we have put a lot of guardrails for the conversation to be more useful for uh, advancing AI and not so much of these uh, uh, these other issues you attributed, uh, what's happening in the AI field as well. Right, so this is actually a serious opportunity. I didn't use the right word fun. I think uh, it's an open opportunity to do some some of the best innovation in conversational agents in in the world. Absolutely. Why just universities? Uh, why just universities? Because as I said, I really felt- Young minds. Uh, young minds, it's a, uh, also to, uh, if you think about the other aspect of where the whole industry is moving with AI, there's a dearth of talent uh, in, in given the demands. So you do want universities to have a clear place where they can invent and research and not fall behind with that they can't motivate students. Imagine all grad yeah. students left to to industry yeah. uh, like us yeah. or, uh, or faculty members, which has happened too. So this is a way that if you're so passionate about the field where you feel industry and academia need to work well, this is a great example and a great way for universities to participate. So what do you think it takes to build a system that wins the Alexa Prize? I think you have to start focusing on aspects of reasoning uh, that it is, there are still more lookups of what intents customers asking for and responding to those uh, rather than uh, really reasoning about the elements of the uh, of the conversation. For instance, if you have, if you're playing, if the conversation is about games and it's about a recent sports event, mm -hmm. there's so much context involved and you have to understand the entities that are being mentioned so that the conversation is coherent rather than you suddenly just switch to knowing some fact about uh, a sports entity and you're just relaying that rather than understanding the true context of the game. Like you, uh, if you just said, I learned this fun fact about Tom Brady rather than really say how he played the game uh, the previous night, then the conversation is not really that intelligent. Uh, so you have to go to more reasoning elements of understanding the context of the dialogue and giving more appropriate responses, which tells you that we are still quite far because a lot of times it's uh, more facts being looked up <laughs> and something that's close enough as an answer, but not really the answer. Uh, so that is where the research needs to go more in actual true understanding and reasoning. And that's why I feel it's a great way to do it because you have an engaged set of uh, users working to make help these AI advances happen in this now, case. Right, so you, you mentioned customers there, uh, there quite a bit so, and there's a skill uh, what is mm -hmm. the experience for the uh, for the user that is helping? So just to clarify, this yeah. isn't, as far as I understand, 
the Alexa. So this skill is a standalone for the Alexa Prize. I mean, it's focused on the Alexa Prize. Yes. It's not you ordering certain things on Amazon.com or tra checking the weather or yeah. playing Spotify, right? It's a separate skill. Exactly. And so you're focused on helping not, I don't know, how, how do people, how do customers think of it? Are they having fun? Are they helping? teach the system what's the experience like i think it's both actually and uh, let me tell you how the uh, how you invoke this skill so you all you have to say alexa let's chat right. and then the first time you uh, say alexa let's chat it comes back with a clear message that you're interacting with one of those you know three social bots uh, and there's a clear so you <laughs> know exactly awesome. how you interact yeah. right That's and that is why it's very transparent uh, you are being asked to help right and uh, and we have a lot of mechanisms where as the uh, we are in the f uh, first phase of feedback phase, then you send a lot of emails to our customers and then they, uh, they know that this the team needs a lot of interactions to improve the accuracy of the system. So we know we have a lot of customers who really want to help these university bots and they're conversing with that. And some are just having fun with just saying, Alexa, let's chat. And uh, also some adversarial behavior to see whether, how much do you understand <laughs> as a social bot? So I think we have a good healthy mix of all three situations. So what is the, if we talk about solving the Alexa challenge, the Alexa prize, uh, what's the data set of really engaging pleasant conversations look like? Because if we think of this as a supervised learning problem, I don't know if it has to be, but if it does, maybe you can comment on that. Mm -hmm. Do you think there needs to be a data set of of uh, what it means to be an engaging, successful, fulfilling conversation? I think that's part of the research question here. This was, I think, uh, ex uh, we at least got the first part right, which is have a way for universities to uh, build and test in a real world setting. Right. Now you're asking in terms of the next phase of questions, which we are still we're also asking, by the way. What does success look like uh, from a optimization function? That's what you're asking yes, in terms exactly. of uh, we as researchers are used to having a great corpus of uh, annotated data and then making our uh, then uh, you know sort of tune our algorithms on those right. And uh, fortunately and unfortunately, in this world of Alexa Prize, that is not the way we are going after it. Mm. So you have to focus more on learning based on live feedback. Uh, that is another element that's unique where uh, just now to, uh, I started with giving you how you ingress and experience this uh, capability as a customer. What happens when you're done? Uh, so they ask you a simple question uh, on a scale of one to five. How, uh, how likely are you to interact with this social bot again? Uh, that is a good feedback and customers can also leave more open-ended feedback. And I think partly that to me is one part of the question you're asking, which I'm saying is a mental model shift that as researchers also, you have to change your mindset that this is not a DARPA evaluation or a NSF funded study and you have a nice corpus. This is where it's real world. You have real data. The scale is amazing. It's and that's, amazing. That's, that's a beautiful thing. So, and, then, and then the customer, the user can uh, quit the conversation at any time. Exactly, the user can. That is also a signal for how yeah, good yeah. you were at that point so and then on, on a scale one to five one to three do they say how likely are you or is it just a binary how likely a one to five one to five yeah. wow okay that's such a beautifully constructed challenge okay <laughs> you said the only way to make a smart assistant really smart 
is to give it eyes and let it explore the world. Uh, I'm not sure it might've been taken out of context, but can you uh, comment on that? Can you elaborate on that idea? Because I personally also find that idea super exciting from a social robotics, personal robotics perspective. Yeah, a lot of things do get taken out of context. My This particular one was just as philosophical discussion we were having on terms of what does intelligence look like? And the context was, in terms of learning, I think uh, just we said, we as humans are empowered with many different sensory abilities. Yeah. Uh, I do believe that uh, eyes are an important aspect of it in terms of, uh, if you think about how we as humans learn, it is quite complex and it's also not unimodal that you are fed a ton of text mm -hmm. or audio and you just learn that way. No, you, are, you learn by experience, you learn by seeing, you're taught by uh, humans and we are very efficient in how we learn. Uh, machines on the contrary are very inefficient on how they learn, especially these AIs. I think the next wave of research is going to be with less data not just less human, uh, not uh, just with less labeled data, but also with a lot of weak supervision and where you can increase the uh, learning rate. I don't mean less data in terms of not having a lot of data to learn from that we are generating so much data, but it is more about from a aspect of how fast can you learn. Mm -hmm. So improving the, the, the quality of the data that's, uh, the quality of data and the learning process. I think but, more on the learning process. I think we have to, we as humans learn with a lot of, noisy data, <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, and I think that's the part that uh, I don't think should change. What should change is how we learn, right? So if you look at, you mentioned supervised learning, we have making transformative shifts from moving to more unsupervised, more weak supervision. Those are the key aspects of how to learn. Uh, and I think in that setting, you, I hope you agree with me that uh, having other senses is very crucial in terms of how you learn. So absolutely, and from a, from a machine learning perspective, which I hope we get a chance to talk to a few aspects that are fascinating there, but to stick on the point of sort of a, a body, you know, a, an embodiment. So Alexa has a body, it has a very minimalistic, beautiful interface, or there's a ring and so on. I mean, I'm not sure of all the flavors of uh, the, the devices that Alexa lives on, but there's a minimalistic basic interface. Uh, and nevertheless, we humans, so I have a Roomba, I have all kinds of robots mm -hmm. all over everywhere. So uh, what do you think the uh, Alexa of the future looks like if it begins to shift what his body looks like? What, uh, what maybe beyond Alexa, what do you think are the different devices in the home as they start to embody their intelligence more and more? What do you think that looks like philosophically? A, f yeah. a future, what do you think that looks like? I think, uh, let's look at what's happening today. You mentioned, I think, our devices as an Amazon devices, but yeah. I also wanted to point out Alexa is already integrated on right. a lot of third-party devices, which also come in lots of forms and shapes. Some in robots, right? Some in uh, microwaves, <laughs> some yeah. in appliances of uh, that you use in everyday life. So I think it is, it's not just the shape Alexa takes, in terms of form factors, but it's also where all it's available. And it's getting in cars, it's getting in different appliances in homes, even toothbrushes, <laughs> right? So I yeah. think you have to think about it as not uh, a physical assistant, 
it will be in some embodiment, as you said, we already have these nice devices. Uh, but I think it's also important to think of it, it is a virtual assistant. It is superhuman in the sense that it is in multiple places at the same time. Uh, so I think the uh, the actual embodiment, to, in some sense, to me, doesn't matter. Right. I think you have to think of it as not as human-like and more of what its capabilities are that derive a lot of benefit for customers right. and how there are different ways to delight it and uh, delight customers and different experiences. And I think I'm a big fan of it not being in just human-like. It should be human-like in certain situations. Alexa Price social bot in terms of conversation is a great way to look at it. But there are other uh, uh, scenarios where human-like I think is underselling the abilities of this AI. So if I could uh, trivialize what we're talking about. So if you look at the way Steve Jobs thought about the interaction with the device that, the, that Apple produced, there was a, a extreme focus on controlling the experience by making sure there's only this Apple mm -hmm. produced devices. You see the voice of Alexa being, taking all kinds of forms depending on what the customers want. And that means, uh, that means it could be anywhere from the microwave to a vacuum cleaner, to the home, and so on. The voice is the essential element right. of the interaction. I think voice is an essence. It's not all, but it's a key aspect. I think uh, to your question in terms of, uh, you should be able to recognize Alexa. Man. And that's a huge problem. I think in terms of a huge scientific problem, I should say, like what are the traits? What makes it look like Alexa, especially in different settings? And especially if it's primarily voice, what it is, but Alexa is not just voice either, right? I mean, we have devices with a screen. Uh, now you're seeing just other behaviors of Alexa. So I think we are in very early stages of what that means. And this will be an important topic for the following years. Uh, but I do believe that being able to recognize and tell when it's Alexa versus it's not is going to be important from an Alexa perspective. I'm not speaking for the entire AI right. <laughs> community, but from uh, but I think attribution and as we go into uh, more of understanding who did what that identity of the ai is crucial in the coming world i think from the broad ai community perspective that's also a fascinating problem mm -hmm. so basically if i close my eyes and listen to the voice what would it take for me to recognize that this is alexa exactly or at least the alexa that i've come to know from my personal experience in my home through my interactions that kind yeah, of yeah and the alexa here in the us is very different than the alexa in uk and the alexa in india even though they are all speaking english uh, or the australian version uh, so again where so now think about when you go into a different culture different community but you travel there mm -hmm. what do you recognize alexa i think these are super hard questions actually so there's a there's a team that works on personality so if, yeah. we, if we talk about those different flavors of what it means culturally speaking india uk us what does it mean to add so so the problem that we just stated which is fascinating how do we make it purely recognizable that it's alexa Assuming that the qualities of the voice are not sufficient, it, it's also the content of what is being said. Yeah. How do we, how do we do that? How does the personality come, <laughs> come into play? What's uh, what, what's that research even look like? I mean, it's such a fascinating. It's, we have some very fascinating uh, folks who, from both the UX background and human factors, are looking at these aspects and these exact questions. Yeah. Uh, but I'll definitely say it's not just how it sounds, the choice of words the tone, 
not just i mean the voice identity of it but yeah. the tone matters the speed matters uh, how you speak how you enunciate words how uh, what choice of words are you using uh, how terse are you or how uh, lengthy in your explanations you are all of these are factors uh, and you also you mentioned something crucial that it's may have you have, may have personalized it alexa uh, like to some extent yeah. in your homes or in the devices you are interacting with so you as your individual how you prefer alexa sounds can be different than how i prefer yeah. <laughs> and we may uh, and the amount of customizability you want to give is also a key debate we always have right. uh, but i do want to point out it's more than the voice actor that recorded and it sounds like that actor <laughs> yeah. it is more about the choices of words the attributes of uh, tonality the volume in terms of how you raise your pitch and so forth all of that matters this is such a fascinating problem from a product perspective uh-huh. uh, i could see those debates just happening inside of the alexa team <laughs> of how much personalization do you do for for the specific customer because you're taking a risk if you over personalize uh, because you don't i if you create a personality for a million people you can test that better you can create a, a rich fulfilling experience that will do well but if you, the more you personalize it the less you can test it the less you can know that it's a it's a great mm-hmm. experience so how much personalization what's the right balance i think the right balance depends on the customer give them the control so i'll say uh, i think the uh, more control you give customers the better it is for everyone and uh, i'll give you some key personalization features mm-hmm. i think we have a feature called remember this which is where you can tell alexa to remember something mm-hmm. uh, there you have an explicit sort of control in customer's hand because they have to say Alexa remember xyz what kind of things would that be used for so you can for a like song you, title or something <laughs> or i i have stored my tire specs for my car nice. because it's so hard to go and find and see what it is <laughs> right when you're having some issues so, uh, i i store my mileage plan uh, numbers for all the frequent flyer ones where i'm sometimes just looking at it and it's not handy uh, so and so those are my own personal choices i've made for alexa to remember something on my behalf right so again i think the choice was be explicit about how you provide that to a customer as a control so i think these are the aspects of uh, what you do like think about where we can use speaker recognition capabilities that it's if you taught alexa that you are lex and this person in your household is person 2 yeah. then you can personalize the experiences again these are very in this uh, in the cx customer experience patterns are very clear about and transparent when a personalization action is happening and then you have other ways like you go through explicit control right now through your app that uh, your multiple service providers let's say for music which one is your preferred one so when you say play sting depend on your whether you have preferred spotify or amazon music or apple music that the decision is made where to play it from so what's alexa's back story from her perspective <laughs> is there um i remember just asking as probably a lot of us are just the basic questions about love and so on of alexa just to see what the answer would be just as a I, it feels like there's a little bit of a back like there's a feels like there's a little bit of personality but not too much is alexa have a metaphysical presence in this human 
the universe we live in, or is it something more ambiguous? Is there a past? Is there a birth? Is there a family kind of <laughs> idea, even for joking purposes and so on? I think, uh, well, it does tell you if I think you, uh, I should double check this, but if you said, when were you born? When I you think born? we yeah. do respond. I need to double check that, but I'm pretty positive about it. I think you do, yes. because I think I've tested so, that. Uh, but that's like, uh, that's like how, like <laughs> I, was, I was born in your brand of champagne and whatever the year kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So on terms of the metaphysical, I think it's early. Uh, does it have the historic knowledge about herself to be able to do that, maybe. Have we crossed that boundary? Not yet, right? In terms of being, thank you. Uh, have we thought about it quite a bit, uh, but I wouldn't say that we have come to a clear decision in terms of what it should look like. But uh, you can imagine though, uh, and I bring this back to the Alexa Price social bot one, there you will start seeing some of that. Like you, yeah. these bots have their identity. And in terms of that, you may find, uh, you know, this is such a great research topic that some, academia team may think of these problems and start solving them too. So let me ask uh, a question. It's kind of difficult, I think, uh, but it feels fascinating to me because I'm fascinated with psychology. It feels that the more personality you have, the more dangerous it is in terms of a customer perspective, a product. If you want to create a product that's useful, da by dangerous, I mean, creating an experience that upsets me. <laughs> and so uh, uh, what, how, do you, how do you get that right? Because uh, if you look at the, the relationships, maybe I'm just a screwed up Russian, but uh, <laughs> if you look at the human to human relationship, some of our deepest relationships have fights, have tension, have the push and pull, have a little flavor in them. Uh, do you want to have such flavor in an, an interaction with Alexa? How do you think about that? So there's one other common thing that you didn't say, but is we think of it as paramount mm -hmm. for any deep relationship. That's trust. Trust, yeah. So I think if you trust every attribute you said, mm -hmm. a fight, mm -hmm. some tension, yeah. is all healthy. But the, what is uh, sort of unnegotiable in this instance is trust. And I think the bar to earn customer trust for AI is very high, yeah. in some sense, more than a human. Yes. It's, uh, it's not just about personal information or your data. It's also about your actions on a daily basis. How trustworthy are you in terms of consistency, in terms of uh, how accurate are you in understanding me? Like if, if you're talking to a person on the phone, if you have a problem with your, let's say, your internet or something, if the person's not understanding, you lose trust right away. You don't want to talk to that person. Yeah. That whole example gets amplified by a factor of 10 because as when you're a human interacting with an AI, you have a certain expectation. Either you expect it to be very intelligent and then you get upset, why is it behaving this way? Mm -hmm. Or you expect it to be uh, not so intelligent and when it surprises you, you're like, really? <laughs> you're trying to be too smart? So I think we grapple with these hard questions as well. But I think the key is, Actions need to be trustworthy from these AIs, not just about data protection, your personal information protection, uh, but also from how accurately it accomplishes all commands or all interactions. Well, it's tough to hear because trust, you're absolutely right, but trust is such a high bar with AI systems because yep. people, and I see this because I work with autonomous vehicles, I mean, the bar that's placed on AI system is unreasonably high. 
yeah that is going to be a uh, i agree with you and uh, i think of it as it's uh, a challenge <laughs> it's a challenge and it's also keeps my job <laughs> right so so yeah. from that perspective that i totally i think of it at both sides as a customer and as a researcher i think as a researcher yes occasionally it will frustrate me that why is the bar so high for these ais and as a customer then i say absolutely it has to be that high Yeah. right so i think that's the trade off we have to balance uh, but doesn't change the fundamentals that trust has to be earned and the question then becomes is are we holding the ais to a different bar in accuracy and mistakes than we hold humans that's going to be a great societal questions for years to come i think for us well one of the questions that we grapple as a society now that i think about a lot i think a lot of people in ai think about a lot and alexis taking on head on is privacy mm-hmm. is the reality is us giving over data to any ai system can be used to enrich our lives in 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 profound ways mm-hmm. so if basically any product that does anything awesome for you would the more data it has the more awesome things it can do and yet uh on the other side people imagine the worst case possible scenario of what can you possibly do with that data people it's it go boils down to trust as you said before there's a fundamental distrust of uh in certain groups of governments and so on and depending on the government depending on who's in power depending on all these kinds of factors and so here's alex in the middle of all of it <laughs> uh, in the home trying to do good things for the customers so how do you think about privacy in this context the smart assistants in the home how do you maintain how do you earn trust absolutely so as you said trust is the key here yeah. so you start with trust and then privacy is a key aspect of it it has to be designed from very beginning about that and we believe in two uh, fundamental principles one is transparency and second is control So if, uh, by transparency I mean uh, when we build uh, what is now called smart speaker or the first echo we were quite judicious about making these right trade-offs on customers behalf that it is pretty clear when when the audio is being sent to cloud the light ring comes on when it has heard you say the word wake word and then the streaming happens right so when the light ring comes up we also had we put a physical mute button on it just so you if you didn't want it to uh, be listening even for the wake word then you turn the uh, power button on uh, the mute button on and that uh, disables the microphones that's just the first decision on essentially transparency and control over then even when we launched we gave the control in the hands of the customers that you can go and look at any of your individual utterances that is recorded and delete them anytime and uh, we have kept to true to that promise right so and that is super again a great instance of showing how you have the control then we made it even easier you can say alexa delete what i said today so that is now making it even just <laughs> just more control in your hands mm-hmm. with what's most convenient about this technology is voice you delete it with your voice now yeah. uh so these are the types of decisions we continually make uh, we just recently launched this feature called uh, what we think of it as if you wanted humans not to review your uh, data because small you mentioned supervised learning right okay. so you in supervised learning humans uh, have to give some annotation and that also is now a feature where you can uh, essentially if you've selected that flag your data will not be reviewed by a human so 
these are the types of controls that we have to constantly offer with customers. So why do you think it bothers people so much that, so so everything you just said uh, is really powerful. So the control, the ability to leak, because we collect, we have studies here running at MIT that collects huge amounts of data and people consent and so on. Uh, the ability to delete that data is really empowering. And almost nobody ever asked to delete it, but the ability to have that control is is really powerful. But still, you know, there's these popular anecdotes, mm-hmm. anecdotal evidence that people say, they like to tell that uh, them and a friend were talking about something, I don't know, uh, sweaters for cats. And all of a sudden they'll have advertisements for cat sweaters mm-hmm. on Amazon. There's that, that's a popular anecdote as if something is always listening. What, can you explain that anecdote, that experience that people have? What's the psychology of that? Mm-hmm. What's that experience? Uh, and can you, you've answered it, but let me just ask, is Alexa listening? <laughs> no, Alexa listens only for the wake word yeah. on the device, right? And uh, the wake word is? The uh, words like Alexa, Amazon, Echo, and you, uh, but you only choose one at a time. Yeah. So you choose one and it listens only for that on our devices. So that's first. From a listening perspective, you have to be very clear that it's just the wake word. So you said, why is there uh, this anxiety, if you may? Yeah, exactly. It's because there's a lot of confusion what it really listens to, right? And uh, and I think it's partly on us to keep educating uh, our, our customers and the general media more in terms of like how what really happens. And we've done a lot of it. Uh, and our pages on information are clear, but still people have to have uh, more, there's always a hunger for information <laughs> and clarity. And we'll constantly look at how best to communicate. If you go back and read everything, yes, it states exactly that. Uh, and then people could still question it. And I think that's absolutely okay to question. Uh, what we have to make sure is that we are, uh, because our fundamental philosophy is customer first, customer obsession is our leadership principle. If you put, as researchers, I put myself in the f- uh, shoes of the customer and all decisions in Amazon are made with that. And, and trust has to be earned and we have to keep earning the trust of our customers in this setting. Uh, and to your other point on like, uh, is there something showing up based on your conversations? No, I think the answer is like you, a uh, lot of times when those experiences happen, you have to also be know that, okay, it may be a winter season. <laughs> People are looking for sweaters, right? Yeah. And it shows up on your amazon.com because it is popular. So yeah. there are many of these, uh, uh, you mentioned that uh, personality or personalization. Turns out we are not that unique either, yeah. <laughs> right? So those things we we as humans start thinking, oh, must be because something was heard and that's why this other thing showed up. The answer is no, probably it is just the season <laughs> for sweaters. I'm not gonna ask you this question because it's just because you're also, because people have so much paranoia, but for my, let me just say from my perspective, I hope there's a day when customer can ask Alexa to listen all the time. Uh, to improve the experience, to improve, because I, I personally don't see the negative uh, because if you have the control and if you have the trust, there's no reason why you shouldn't be listening all the time to the conversations to learn more about you. Because ultimately, as long as you have control and trust, every data you provide to the device that the device wants <laughs> is going to be useful. Mm-hmm. And that, so that, to me, I, as as a machine learning person, I think it worries me how sensitive people are about 
their data relative to how uh, empowering it could be for the devices around them, how enriching it could be for their own life to improve the product. So I just, <laughs> it's something I think about sort of a lot, how do we make that devices? Obviously Alexa thinks about it a lot as well. I don't know if you wanna comment on that. <laughs> sort of, okay, have you seen, let me so ask it in the form of a question, okay. Yeah. Have, have you seen an evolution in the way people think about their private data in the previous several years? So as we as a society get more and more comfortable to the benefits we get by sharing more data. First, let me answer that part and then I'll wanna go sure. back to the other sure. aspect you were mentioning. Um, so as a society, on a general, we are getting more comfortable as a society. Doesn't mean that everyone is. And I think we have to respect that. I don't think uh, one size fits all is always gonna be the answer for all, <laughs> right, uh, by definition. So I think that's just something to keep in mind in these. Uh, going back to your, on what more uh, magical experiences can be launched in these kind of AI settings. Uh, I think again, if you give the control, we uh, it's possible certain parts of it. So we have a feature called follow-up mode where you, uh, if you turn it on and Alexa, after you've spoken to it, right. will open the mics again, thinking you will answer something again. Yeah. Like if you're adding sh uh, lists to your shopping yeah. items, right? Or a shopping list or to-do list, you're not done. Right. <laughs> you want to keep, so in that setting, it's awesome that it opens the mic for you to say, eggs and milk and then bread, right? So these are the kind of things which you can empower. So, I, and then another feature we have, which is called Alexa Guard. I said it only listens for the wake word, all right? Mm -hmm. But if you have a, let's say you're going to say, Alex, uh, you leave your home and you want Alexa to listen for a couple of sound events like mm -hmm. smoke alarm going off or someone breaking your glass, right? So it's like just to keep your peace of mind. So you can say Alexa on guard or, uh, or, or I'm away or, uh, and then it can uh, be listening for these sound events. And when you're home, it, you come out of that mode, right? Mm -hmm. So this is another one where you again gave controls in the hands of the user or the customer and to enable some experience that is high utility and maybe even more delightful in the certain settings like follow-up mode and so forth. And again, this general principle is the same control in the hands of the customer. So I know we, we kind of started with a lot of philosophy and a lot of interesting topics and we're just jumping all over the place, but really some of the fascinating things that uh, the Alexa team and Amazon is doing is in the, the algorithm side, the data side, the technology, the deep learning, machine learning, and, and so on. So can you give a brief history of Alexa uh -huh. from the perspective of just innovation, the algorithms, the data of mm -hmm. how, how it was born how it came to be, how it's grown, where it is today. Yeah, it starts with, uh, in Amazon, everything starts with the customer. And we have a process called working backwards. Alexa, and more specifically than the product Echo, there was a working backwards document essentially that reflected what it would be. Started with a very simple a vision statement, for instance, <laughs> that uh, morphed into a full-fledged document. Along the way, it changed into what all it can do, uh, right? You can, uh, but the inspiration was the Star Trek computer. So when you think <laughs> of it that way, you know everything is possible. But when you launch a product, you have to start with some place. And when I joined, we the product was already in conception, and we started working on the far-field speech recognition because that was. 
the first thing to solve. By that, we mean that you should be able to speak to the device from a distance. And in those days, that wasn't a common practice. Uh, and even in the previous research world I was in, was considered to an unsolvable problem mm -hmm. then in terms of whether you can converse from a length. And yeah. here I'm still talking about the first part of the problem where you say, get the attention of the device, as in by saying what we call the wake word, uh, which means the word Alexa has to be detected with a very high accuracy because it is a very common word. It has sound units that map with words like I like you or Alec, Alex, yeah. <laughs> right? So it's a uh, undoubtedly hard problem to detect the right mentions of Alexa's address to the device versus I like Alexa. So you have to pick up that signal when there's a lot of noise. Not only noise, but a lot of conversation yeah. in the house, right? All you remember on the device, you're simply listening for the wake word, Alexa. Yeah. And there's a lot of words being spoken in the house. How do you know it's Alexa and directed at Alexa? Because I could say, I love my Alexa, I hate my Alexa, uh, I want Alexa to do this. And in all these three sentences I said, Alexa, I didn't want it to wake up. Yeah. Uh, so, and Can I just pause on that yeah. second? What would be your device? that I should probably, in the introduction of this conversation, give to people in terms of them turning off their Alexa device if they're listening to this podcast conversation out loud. Like, what's the probability that an Alexa device will go off? Because we mentioned Alexa like a million times. <laughs> so it will, uh, we have done a lot of different things where we can uh, figure out that there is the device, the speech is coming from, a human versus uh, over the air also. I mean, in terms of like, also it is, think about ads or, uh, so we have I also see. launched a technology for watermarking kind of approaches mm -hmm. in terms of filtering it out. But yes, if this kind of a podcast is happening, it's possible your device will wake up a few times, okay. right? It's an but unsolved <laughs> problem, but it is uh, definitely uh, uh, something we care very much about. But right? the idea is you want to detect Alexa, First meant all, for the device. Meant for the device. I mean, for, first of all, just even hearing Alexa versus I like yeah. uh, something. I mean, that's a fascinating part. So that was the first relief. Really that's the first Built part. the world's that's best detector of first, Alexa. Yeah, the world's best wake word detector yeah. well, in a far field setting, not like something where the phone is sitting on the table. Yeah. This is like people have devices 40 feet away, like in my house or 20 feet away, and you still get an answer. Yeah. Uh, so that was the first part. The next is, okay, you're speaking to the device. Of course, you're going to issue many different requests. Some may be simple, some may be extremely hard, but it's a large vocabulary speech recognition problem, essentially, where the audio is now not coming uh, onto your phone or a handheld mic like this or a close-talking mic, but it's from 20 feet away where if you're in a busy household, your son may be uh, listening to music. Your daughter may be running around <laughs> with something and asking your mom something and so forth, right? So this is like a common household setting where the words you're speaking to Alexa mm -hmm. need to be recognized with very high accuracy, yes. right? Now, we are still just in the recognition problem. We haven't yet come to the understanding one, right? And, and if I pause, I'm sorry, once again, what year was this? Is this before neural networks began to start uh, to seriously prove themselves in the audio space? Yeah, this is around, so uh, I joined in 2013 13. in April, right? So the early 
research and neural networks coming back and showing uh, some promising results in speech recognition space had started happening, but it was very early. Very, uh, yeah. But we just to now build on that on the very first thing we did when uh, when I joined and we uh, with the team uh, and remember it was a very much of a startup environment which is great about Amazon and we doubled down on deep, deep learning right away and uh, we we knew we'll have to improve accuracy fast and because of that we worked on and the scale of data once you have a device like this if it is successful will improve big time like you'll suddenly have large volumes of data to learn from to make the customer experience better so how do you scale deep learning so we did our uh, one of the first works in in training with distributed gpus and where the training time uh, was uh, you know was linear uh, in terms of like in the amount of data so that was quite important work uh, where it was algorithmic improvements as well as a lot of engineering improvements to be able to train on thousands and thousands of of speech uh, and that was an important factor. So the, uh, if you ask me, like in back in 2013 and 2014, when we uh, launched Echo, uh, the combination of large-scale data, uh, deep learning progress, near-infinite GPUs we had available on AWS even then, was all came together for us to be able to solve the far-field speech recognition to the extent it could be useful to the customers. It's still not solved. Like, I mean, it's not that we are perfect at recognizing speech, but we are great at it in terms of the settings that are in homes, right? So, and that was important even in the early stages. So first of all, just even, uh, I'm trying to look back at that time. Uh, if I remember correctly, uh, it was, it seems like the task would be pretty daunting. <laughs> so like, uh, so we kind of take it for granted that it works now. Yes, so you're uh, right. So let me, like how, first of all, you mentioned startup. I wasn't familiar how big the team was. I kind of, because I know there's a lot of really smart people working on it. So now it's a very, very large team. <laughs> how big was the team? How likely were you to fail in the eyes of everyone else? <laughs> and, uh, and ourselves. And <laughs> yourself. So like what? I'll give you a very interesting yeah. anecdote on that. When I joined the team, the speech recognition team was six people. My first meeting, and we had hired a few more people, it was 10 people. Nine out of 10 people thought it can't be done. <laughs> right? Who was the one? <laughs> <laughs> the one was me. Okay. Say, and actually, I should say, and one was semi-optimistic. Yeah. Uh, and, the, <laughs> and eight were trying to convince, let's go to the management and say... <laughs> Let's not work on this problem. Let's work on some other problem like uh, either telephony speech for customer service calls and so forth. But this is the kind of belief you must have. And I had experience with far-field speech recognition and I, my eyes lit up when I saw a problem like that saying, okay, we have been in speech recognition always looking for that killer app. Yeah. And this was a killer use case to bring something delightful in the hands of customers. So you mentioned uh, you the way you kind of think of it in the product way in the future, have a press release and an FAQ and you think backwards. That's right. Did you have, did the team have the echo in mind? The, so this far yeah. field speech recognition, actually putting a thing in the home that works, that it's able to interact with, was that the press release? What was the- Very, very close, I would say, in terms of the, uh, as I said, the vision was Star Trek computer. Right, yeah. so <laughs> or the inspiration, uh, yeah. and from there, uh, <laughs> I can't divulge all the exact specifications. Sure. But uh, one of the first things that 
was magical on Alexa was music. It brought me to back to music because my taste was still in when I was an undergrad. Right, uh, so I still listened to those songs, and I it was too hard for me to be a music fan with a phone, mm-hmm. right? So I and I don't I hate things in my ear. <laughs> so from that perspective, it was uh, quite uh, hard, and 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 music was part of the. Uh, uh, at least the documents I've seen, right? Mm-hmm. So, so from that perspective, I think yes. In terms of uh, our, uh, how far are we from the original vision? Uh, I can't reveal that, but it's that's why I have a ton of fun at work because every day we go in and thinking like these are the new set of challenges to solve. Yeah, it's right? a great way to do uh, great engineering. As you think of the pro- the press release, I like that idea. Actually, yeah. maybe we'll talk about it a bit, a bit later. But it's just a super nice way to have focus. I'll know. tell you this: you're a scientist, uh, and a lot of my scientists have adopted that. Yeah. They they have now they love it yeah. as a process because it was very uh, as scientists you're trained to write great papers, but they are all after you've done the research or you've proven like and your PhD dissertation proposal is something that comes closest or a DARPA proposal or a NSF proposal is the closest that comes to a press release. But that process is now ingrained in our scientists, which is like uh, delightful for me to see. <laughs> you write the paper first and then make it happen. <laughs> That's right. I mean, in fact, it's not- <laughs> State-of-the-art results. <laughs> yeah. Or you leave the results section open, but yeah. you have a thesis about here's what I expect, yeah. right? And here's what it will change. Yeah. Right, so I think it is a great thing. It works for researchers as well. Yeah, so, so far field recognition. Yeah, uh, what was the big leap? What 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 were the breakthroughs? And uh, yeah, what, what was that journey like to today? Yeah, I think the as you said first, there was a lot of skepticism on yes. whether far field speech recognition will ever work uh, to be good enough. Right, uh, and what we first did was got a lot of training data in a far field setting, and that was extremely hard to get because none of it existed. So how do you collect data in far field setup, right? With no customer base at the time. With no customer base, right? So that was first innovation. And once we had that, the next thing was, okay, if if you have the data, first of all, we didn't talk about like, what would magical mean in this kind of a setting? What is good enough for customers, right? That's Hmm. always, since you've never done this before, what would be magical? So, uh, so it wasn't just a research problem. You had to put some, in terms of accuracy and customer experience features, some stakes on the ground saying, here's where I think should it should get to. Uh, so you established a bar. And then how do you measure progress towards given you have no customers right now? Okay. So from that perspective, we went, uh, so first was the data without customers. Second was, doubling down on deep learning as a way to learn. Mm -hmm. And I can just tell you that the combination of the two cut our error rates by a factor of five from where we were when I started to uh, within six months of having that data. We, at that point, I I got the conviction that this will work, right? So, because that was magical in terms of when it started working and- uh, That reached the the magical, came close to the magical bar. To the bar, right? (laughs) that we felt would be where people will use it, which was critical. Because you, you, are, you really have one chance at this. If we had launched in November 2014 is when we launched, if it was below the bar, I don't think this category exists if you don't meet the bar. Yeah, and I, just having uh, looked at voice-based interactions like in the car, 
uh, earlier systems, it's a source of huge frustration for people. In fact, we use voice-based interaction for collecting data on subjects to measure frustration. frustration. Yeah. So as a training set for computer vision, for face mm -hmm. data, to, to, so we can get a data set of frustrated people. That's, right. That's the best way to get frustrated people is having them interact with a voice-based system mm -hmm. in the car. So, th so that bar, I imagine, is pretty high. It was well, very high, and we talked about how also errors are perceived from AIs versus errors by humans. But we are not done with the problems that ended up, uh, we had to solve to get it to launch. So do you want the next one? Yeah, the next one. <laughs> so the next one was what I think of as multi-domain natural language understanding. It's very, I wouldn't say easy, but it is uh, during those days, it, uh, solving it, understanding in one domain, a narrow domain was doable, uh, but for these multiple domains like music, like information, other kinds of household productivity, alarms, timers, even though it wasn't as big as it is in terms of the number of skills Alexa has and the confusion space has like grown by three orders of magnitude, mm -hmm. it was still daunting even those days. And again, with no customer base yet. Again, no customer base. So now you're looking at meaning understanding and intent understanding and taking actions on behalf of customers based on their requests. And that is the next hard problem. Even if you have gotten the words recognized, how do you make sense of them? In those days, uh, there was still a lot of emphasis on rule-based systems for writing grammar patterns to understand the intent. But we had a statistical first approach even then, where mm -hmm. for our language understanding, we had uh, in even those starting days a uh, an, an entity recognizer and an intent classifier, which was all trained statistically. Uh, in fact, uh, we had to build the deterministic matching as a follow-up to <laughs> fix bugs that uh, statistical models have, right? right? So it was just a different mindset where we focused yeah. on data-driven statistical understanding. Wins in the end if you have a huge data set. Yes, it is contingent on that. And yeah. that's why it came back to how do you get the data? Before customers the fact that this is why data becomes crucial to get to the point that you have uh, the understanding system built in, built up. And notice that for you, we were talking about human-machine dialogue, and even those early days, uh, even it was very much transactional, do one thing, one shot utterances in great way. There was a lot of debate on how much should Alexa talk back in terms of mm. if you misunderstood you or you said play... Uh, songs by the stones and let's say it doesn't know uh, you know early days knowledge can be sparse uh, who, who are the stones right I it's, it's the rolling stones <laughs> yeah, right yeah. so uh, or uh, uh, and you don't want the match to be stone temple pilots or rolling yeah, stones right yeah. so you don't yeah. know which one it is so these kind of other signals to uh, and now there we had great assets right from Amazon in terms of uh, UX like what, what is it what kind of yeah, how do you solve that problem? Uh, is, in terms of what we think of it as an entity resolution problem, right? So, because oh, I, which I, one is it, right? I mean, the uh, even if you figured out the stones as an entity, yeah. you have to resolve it to whether it's the stones or the so stone the, temple pilots uh, or so, some so other stones. Maybe I misunderstood. Is the resolution uh, the job of the algorithm or is the job of UX communicating with the human to help the resolution? Well, there is uh, both, right? It is You want 90% or high 90s to be done without any further questioning or UX, right? So yeah. 
but that it's absolutely okay just like as humans we ask the question i i didn't understand you lex yeah. uh it's fine for alexa to occasionally say i did not understand you right and uh and that's a important way to learn and i'll talk about where we have come with more self learning with these kind of feedback signals but in those days just solving the ability of understanding the intent and resolving to an action mm-hmm. where action could be play a particular artist or a particular song was super hard again to, the bar was high as you, as yeah. we are talking about right so while we launched it in uh, sort of 13 big domains i would say in terms of or uh, think we think of it as 13 the big skills we had like music is a massive one uh, when we launched it and now we have 90,000 plus skills on Alexa. So what what are the big skills? Can you just go over them? Because the only thing I use it for is music, weather, and shopping. <laughs> so uh, we think of it as music, information, uh, right? So it shop, uh, oh, weather is a part of information, information, right? So uh, when we launched, we didn't have smart home, but within, uh, by smart home, I mean you connect your smart devices, you control them with voice. If you haven't done it, it's worth it. it will change like your turning life turning on the lights and yeah, so on yeah turning on your light yeah. to uh, anything that's connected uh, and has a it's just what's your favorite smart device for you that light <laughs> light and now you have okay. the smart plug with and you don't uh, we also have this echo plug uh, which is uh, oh yeah you can so plug, you can plug in anything and now you can turn on that okay. one on and off right? i use so this conversation motivation and get one the garage door you can check uh, your status of the garage door yeah. and things like and we have gone make alexa more and more proactive where it even have a hunch, has hunches now. that uh, or looks hunches like you left your light on uh, or uh, let's yeah. say you've gone to your bed and you left the garage light on so yeah so <laughs> it'll help the, you out it will help you out in these settings right so that's smart devices right information smart devices you said music yeah so i don't remember everything we had yeah, but, but alarms, the timers were yeah. the big ones like yeah, that it. was you know the timers were very popular right away uh, music also like you could play song artist album everything uh, and so that was like uh, a clear win in terms yeah. of the customer experience so that's again this is language understanding now things have evolved right so where we want alexa definitely to be more accurate competent trustworthy based on how it well it does these core things but we have evolved in many different dimensions first is what i think of it being more conversational for high utility not just for chat right and there we, uh, at remars this year which is our ai conference we launched what is called alexa conversations uh, that is providing uh, the ability for developers to author multi-turn experiences on alexa with no code essentially where uh, in terms of the dialogue code initially it was like uh, you know all these ivr systems uh, you have to fully author if the customer says this do that right so the whole dialogue flow is hand author mm-hmm. and with alexa conversations the way it is that you just provide a sample interaction data with your service or your api let's say your atom tickets that uh, provides a service for buying movie tickets mm-hmm. you provide a few examples of how your customers will interact with your apis and then the dialog flow is automatically constructed using a recurrent neural network a train on that data wow. so that simplifies wow. the developer experience we just launched our preview for the developers to try this capability out and then the second part of it which shows even increased utility for customers is you and i when we interact with alexa or any customer as i coming back to our initial part of the conversation the goal is often unclear uh, or unknown to the ai if i say 
Alexa, what movies are playing nearby? Am I trying to just buy movie tickets? Am I actually even... Do you think I'm looking for just movies for curiosity, whether the yeah. Avengers is still in theater or when is it? Maybe it's gone and maybe it will come on my missed it. So I may watch it on Prime, yeah. <laughs> right, which happened to me. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so from that perspective now, you're looking into what is my goal? And let's say I now complete the movie ticket purchase. Maybe I would like to get dinner nearby. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is really the goal here? Is it night out or is it movies? As in just go watch a movie. Yep. The answer is we don't know. So can Alexa now figure we have the uh, intelligence that I think this meta goal is really night out or at least say to the customer when you've completed the purchase of movie tickets from Atom Tickets or Fandango or Pick Your Anyone, then the next thing is, do you want to uh, get to uh, get an Uber to the theater, right? Mm -hmm. Or uh, do you want to book a restaurant next to it? And, uh, and then not ask the same information over and over again. What time? Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, how many people in your party, right? So... Uh, so this is where you shift the cognitive burden from the customer to the AI, where it's thinking the, of what is your, uh, it anticipates your goal and takes the next best action to complete it. Now that's the machine learning problem. Uh, but essentially the way we solved this first instance, and we have uh, a long way to go to make it scale to everything possible in the world. But at least for this situation, it is, from uh, at every instance, Alexa is making the determination whether it should stick with the experience with Atom tickets or offer uh, mm. or you, based on what you say, whether either you have completed the interaction or you said, no, get me an Uber now. So it will shift context into another experience or skill on another service. So that's a dynamic decision making that's making Alexa, you can say, more conversational for the benefit of the customer rather than simply complete transactions which are well thought through. You, have, uh, you as a customer has fully specified what you want to be accomplished. Yeah. It's accomplishing that. So it's kind of as we uh, do this with pedestrians, right? intent modeling is uh, predicting what your possible goals are exactly. and what's the most likely goal and switching that depending on the things you say. So the, my question is there, it seems maybe it's a dumb question, but it would help a lot if Alexa remembered me, what I said previously. Right. Is, so, is it is, is it trying to use some so memory it, for the customer? Yeah, it is using a lot of memory within that. So right now, not so much in terms of, okay, which restaurant do you prefer, right? right? That is a more long-term memory, but within the short-term memory within the session, it is remembering how many people did you... So if you said oh, uh, buy four tickets, now it has made an implicit assumption that uh, you are going to have... You need four at least four seats at a restaurant, right? So these are the kind of uh, context it's preserving between these skills, but within that session. But you're asking the right question in terms of for it to be more and more useful, yes. it has to have more long-term memory. And that's also an open question. And uh, again, this is still early days. Right? So, so, so for me, I, I mean, everybody's different, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely not representative of the general population in the sense that I do the same thing every day. <laughs> like I eat the same, I, like I do everything the same, the same thing, um, wear the same thing clearly, uh, this or the black shirt. Uh, so it's frustrating when Alexa doesn't get what I'm saying because uh -huh. 
I have to correct her every time in the exact same way. This has to do with certain songs. Yeah. Like she doesn't know certain weird songs I like. And doesn't know, I've complained to Spotify about this, talked to the RD, uh, head of RD at Spotify, Stairway to Heaven. I have to correct it every time. It really? Doesn't, doesn't play Led Zeppelin correctly. It plays a <laughs> cover of Led's, of Stairway to Heaven. So You I'm, should figure, you should send me your, uh, next time it fails, this, feel free to send it to me. We'll take care of it. Okay. Well, you Because know what? Led Zeppelin is one of my favorite <laughs> brands that it works for me. So I'm like shocked it doesn't work for you. This is an official bug report. I'll put it, I'll put it, I'll make it public. I'll make everybody retweet it. We're going to fix the Stairway to Heaven problem. Anyway, but the point is, uh, you know, I'm pretty boring and do the same things, but I'm sure most people do the same set of things. Uh, do you see Alexa sort of utilizing that in the future for improving the experience? Yes, and not only utilizing, it's already doing some of it. We call it more, uh, where Alexa is becoming more self-learning. Mm -hmm. So uh, Alexa is now auto-correcting millions and millions of utterances in the US without any human supervision involved. The way it does it is, uh, let's take an example of uh, a particular song didn't work for you. Uh, what do you do next? You either, it played the wrong song and you said, Alexa, no, that's not the song I want. Or you say, Alexa, play uh, that, uh, uh, you try it again. Mm -hmm. And that is a signal to Alexa that sh she may have done something wrong. And from that perspective, we can learn uh, if there's that failure pattern or that uh, action of song A was played when song B was requested. Yes. Uh, and it's very common with uh, station names because play NPR, you can have uh, N be confused as an M. And then you, for a certain mm -hmm. accent like mine, uh, uh, people confuse my N and M all the time. Uh, and because I have an uh, Indian accent, they're confusable to humans. It is for <laughs> Alexa too. Uh, and in that part, but it starts autocorrecting. Yes. And we collect, uh, we correct a lot of these automatically without a human looking at uh, the failures. Yeah, so the one of the things that's for me missing in Alexa, I don't know if I'm a representative customer, but every time I correct it, it would be nice to know that that made a difference. Yes. You know what I mean? Like the yes. sort of like, I I heard you like a, like a sort of <laughs> some acknowledgement of that. Uh, we, we work yes. a lot with uh, with Tesla. We study autopilot yeah. and so on. And a large amount of the customers that use Tesla autopilot, they feel like they're always teaching the system. Uh -huh. They're almost excited by the possibility right. that they're teaching. I don't know if Alexa customers generally think of it as they're teaching to improve the system. Uh, I think, and that's a really powerful thing. Again, uh, I would say it's a spectrum. Right. Some customers do think that way and some would be annoyed by Alexa acknowledging that or mm. uh, so see. there's a, again, no one, uh, you know, while there are certain patterns, not everyone is yeah. the same in this yes. way. Uh, but we believe that, uh, again, customers helping Alexa is a tenet for us in terms of improving it. And yes. more self-learning is by, again, this is like fully unsupervised, right? There is no human in the loop and no labeling happening. And Based on your actions as a customer, Alexa becomes smarter. Uh, again, it's early days, but I think this whole area of teachable AI is going to get bigger and bigger in the whole space, especially in the AI assistant space. So that's the second part where uh, I mentioned more conversational. This is more self-learning. Mm -hmm. The third is more natural. Uh, and the way I think of more natural is we talked about how Alexa sounds. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are, uh, and we have done a lot of advances in our text-to-speech by using again neural network technology 
for it to sound very uh, human-like. From and the individual texture of the sound to the the the, the timing, the tonality, the tone, everything. everything the whole I would think in terms of uh, there's a lot of controls in each of the places for how I mean the speed of the voice, the prosodic patterns, the uh, the actual smoothness of how it sounds. All of those are factored, and we do ton of listening tests to make sure was that. But naturalness, uh, how it sounds, should be very natural. How it understands requests is also very important. Like, and in terms of like, we have 95,000 skills or, uh, and if we have, imagine that, uh, and many of these skills, you have to remember the skill name mm-hmm. and say, Alexa, ask uh, the tide skill to tell me uh, X, right? Or uh, now, if you, if you have to remember the skill name, that means the discovery and the interaction is uh, unnatural. Uh, and we are trying to solve that by uh, what we think of as, again, uh, this was, you don't have to have the app metaphor here. These are not individual apps, right? Even though they're, so you ca- you're not sort of opening one at a time and interacting. So yeah. it should be seamless because it's yeah. voice. And when it's voice, you have to be able to understand these requests independent of the specificity, like a skill name. And to do that, what we have done is again, built a deep learning based capability where we shortlist a bunch of skills when you say, Alexa, get me a car. And then we figure it out, okay, it's meant for an Uber skill mm-hmm. uh, versus a Lyft or uh, based on your preferences. And then you can rank the responses from the skill and then choose the best response for the customer. So that's on the more natural. Uh, other examples natural, of more yeah. natural is like, we were talking about uh, lists, for instance, and you want to you don't want to say, Alexa, add milk. Alexa, add eggs. Yeah. Alexa, add cookies. Yeah. No, Alexa, add cookies, milk, and eggs, uh, and that in one shot, right? So that works. That helps with the naturalness. We talked about memory. Like uh, if you said, you can say, Alexa, remember, uh, I have to go to mom's house. Or you may have entered a calendar event through your calendar that's linked to Alexa. You don't want to remember whether it's a, in my calendar or did I tell you right. to remember this- something or some other reminder, <laughs> right? So you have to now... Uh, independent of how customers create these events, it should just say, Alexa, when do I have to go to mom's house? And it tells you when you have to go to mom's house. No, that's that's a fascinating problem. Who is that problem on? So the, there's people who create skills. Uh-huh. Who's, who's tasked with integrating all of that knowledge together? So it, the skills become seamless. Is it the creators of the skills? So, or is it, some, the, is it an infrastructure that Alexa provides problem? Uh, it's both. I think the large problem uh, in terms of making sure your skill quality is high, uh, uh, we uh, that has to be done by our tools because it's a, uh, so these skills, just to put the context, they are built through Alexa Skillskip, which is a self-serve way of building an experience on Alexa. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is like any developer in the world could go to Alexa Skillskip and build an experience on Alexa. Like a, if you're a Domino's, you can build a Domino's skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, that does pizza ordering. When you have authored that, um, you do want to now, uh, if people say Alexa open Domino's or Alexa ask Domino's, Domino's to get uh, a particular type of pizza, that will work, but the discovery is hard. You can't just say Alexa, get me a pizza and then uh, Alexa figures out what to do. Yeah. That latter part is definitely our responsibility in terms of when the request is not fully specific, how do you figure out what's the best skill or a service that can fulfill the customer's request? 
and it can keep evolving imagine going to the situation i said which was the night out planning that it the goal could be more than that individual request that came uh, a a pizza ordering could mean a night in yeah. <laughs> where you're having <laughs> exactly. an event with your kids in their house and you so this is welcome to the world of conversational ai <laughs> <laughs> this is this is super exciting because it's not the academic problem of nlp of natural language processing understanding dialogue this is like real world This and there's, the stakes are high in the sense that customers get frustrated quickly, people get frustrated quickly, so you have to get it right. You have to get that interaction yes. right. <laughs> so it's uh, I love it. But so from that perspective, what what are the challenges today? What what are the problems that really need to be solved in the yeah. next few years? I think uh, first and foremost, as I mentioned, that uh, get the basics right are still true. basically even the one shot requests which we think of as transactional requests needs to work magically no question about that if it doesn't turn your light on and off you'll be super frustrated even if i can complete the night out for you and not do that that is unacceptable for as a customer right so that you have to get the foundational understanding going very well the second aspect when i said more conversational is as you imagine is more about reasoning it is really about figuring out what the latent goal is of the customer based on what i have the information now and the history what's the next best thing to do so that's a complete reasoning and decision making problem just like yourself driving car but the goal is still more finite here it evolves your environment is super hard and self driving and the cost of a mistake is huge uh here but there are certain similarities but if you think about how many decisions alexa is making or evaluating at any given time it's a huge hypothesis space and we are only talked about so far about what i think of reactive decision in terms of you asked for something and alexa is reacting to it if you bring the proactive part which is alexa having hunches so any given instance then you're it's really uh, uh, a decision at any given point based on the information Alexa has to determine what's the best thing it needs to do. So these are the ultimate AI problem about decisions based on the information you have. Do you think uh just from my perspective a lot I work a lot with sensing of the human face. Do you think they'll and we touched this topic a little bit earlier but do you think it'll be a day soon when Alexa can also look at you to help improve the quality of the hunch it has <laughs> or at least uh detect frustration? or detect you know improve the quality of its perception of what you what you're trying to do i mean let me again bring back to what it already does we talked about how based on uh, you bargain over alexa clearly uh, the, it's a very high probability it must have done something wrong that's yes, why you yes. barged in uh, the next extension of uh, whether frustration is a signal or not of course is a natural thought in terms of how that should be in a signal to a, uh, you can get that from voice you can get so. from voice but it's very hard like i mean uh, it, frustration as a signal historically uh, if you think about emotions of different kinds you know there's a whole field of affective computing something that mit has also done a lot of research and uh, is super hard and you are now talking about uh, a far field device as in you're talking to a distance noisy environment 
And yeah. in that environment, uh, it needs to have a good sense for your emotions. This is a very, very hard problem. Very hard problem. But you haven't shied away from hard problems. So, <laughs> well, you know, uh, so deep learning has been at the core of a lot of this technology. Are you optimistic about the current deep learning approaches to solving the hardest aspects of what we're talking about? Or do you think there will come a time where new ideas need to, for the, you know, if you look at reasoning, so open AI, deep mind, a lot of folks are now starting to work in reasoning, mm -hmm. trying to see how we can make neural networks reason. Do you see that new approaches need to be invented to take the next big leap? Absolutely, I think there has to be a lot more investment in, uh, I think, in many different ways. And there are these, I would say, nuggets of research forming in a good way, like learning with less data or uh, like, Zero shot learning, one shot learning, and the active learning stuff you've talked about uh, is, yes. is is uh, incredible. Stuff. Is, so transfer learning is also super critical, especially yeah. when you're thinking about applying knowledge from one task to another or one language to another. Right? It's really ripe. So these are great pieces. Deep learning has been useful too, and now we are sort of marrying deep learning with uh, with transfer learning uh, and active learning. Of course, that's more straightforward uh, in terms of applying deep learning in an active learning setup, but uh, uh, but I do think in terms of uh, now looking into more reasoning-based approaches is uh, going to be key uh, for our next wave of the technology. But there is a good news. The good news is that I think for keeping on to delight customers, that a lot of it can be done by prediction tasks. Yes. Uh, so And so we haven't exhausted that. So, uh, so it's, uh, we don't need to give up on the deep learning approaches for that. So that's just, I wanted to uh, sort so of- creating a rich, fulfilling, amazing experience <laughs> that makes Amazon a lot of money and a lot of everybody a lot of money because it does awesome things. Deep learning is enough. The the, po the point- uh, I don't think, so. uh, no, I, mean, I wouldn't say deep learning is enough. I think for uh, the purposes of Alexa accomplish the task for customers, I'm saying there are still a lot of things we can do with prediction-based approaches that do not reason. Right, I'm not saying that, and we haven't exhausted those, uh, but for the kind of high utility experiences that I'm personally passionate about of uh, what Alexa needs to do, reasoning has to be solved to the, uh, to the same extent as you can think of natural language understanding and speech recognition to the extent of understanding intents has been uh, how accurate it has become. But reasoning, we are very, very early days. Let me ask that another way. How hard of a problem do you think that is? Hardest of them. <laughs> uh, I would say hardest of them because again, uh, the hypothesis space of uh, is really, really large. And when you go back in time, like you were saying, I want to, uh, I want Alexa to remember more things. That once you go beyond a session of interaction, which is by session, I mean a a time span, which is today, <laughs> yeah. to versus remembering which restaurant I like. And then when I'm planning a night out to say, do you want to go to the same restaurant? Now you're up the stakes big time. And and this is where the reasoning dimension also goes way, way bigger. So you think the space, maybe elaborating that a little bit, just philosophically speaking, do you think when you reason about trying to model what the goal of a person is, in the context of interacting with Alexa, you think that space is huge? It's huge, absolutely huge. You think, so like another sort of devil's advocate would be that we human beings are really simple and we all want like just a small set of things 
And then, so do you, you uh-huh. think you think it's possible? Because we're not talking about a fulfilling general conversation. Perhaps actually the Alexa Prize is a little bit it more is. about after that. Creating a customer, like there's so many of the interactions, it feels like are clustered in groups that are don't require general reasoning. I think, yeah, you're right in terms of the head of the distribution of all the possible things customers may want to accomplish. Yeah. But the tail is long and it's diverse, uh, right? So from <laughs> that- many, many long tails. <laughs> so from that perspective, I think you, you have to solve that problem. Otherwise, uh, and everyone's very different. Like, I mean, we, we see this already in terms of the skills, right? I mean, if you- if you're an average surfer, which I am not, uh, right? But somebody is asking Alexa about surfing conditions, right? And there's a skill that is there for them to get to, right? That tells you that the tail is massive. Like in terms of like uh, what kind of skills people have created, it's humongous in terms of it. And which means there are these diverse needs. And, uh, and when you start looking at the combinations of these, right? Even if you're pairs of skills, and uh, and ninety thousand choose two. It's still a big set of combinations. Yeah. You're going, so I'm saying there's a huge to do here now, uh, and I think customers are uh, you know uh, wonderfully frustrated with things, yeah. <laughs> and, and have to keep getting uh, to do better things for them. So and they're they, not known to be super patient. So you have to do it fast. You have to do it fast. Yeah. So you've mentioned the idea of a press release, uh, the research and development, Amazon, Alexa and Amazon in general, you kind of think of what the future product will look like and you kind of make it happen, you work backwards. So can you draft for me, you probably already have one, but can you make up one for uh, 10, 20, 30, 40 years out that you see the Alexa team putting out just in broad strokes, something that you dream about? I think, uh, let's start with the five years first, <laughs> right? So, uh, and I'll get to the 40 is too uh Because I'm pretty sure hard you to have think. a real five-year one. That's why I didn't want to, uh, but yeah, in broad strokes, let's start with five I think years. the five-year is where, I mean, I think of uh, in these spaces, it's hard, uh, especially if you're in thick of things, to think beyond the five-year space because uh, a lot of things change, right? I mean, uh, if you ask me five years back, will Alexa will be here? <laughs> I wouldn't have, uh, I think it has surpassed my yeah. imagination of that time, right? So I think in the, uh, from the next five years perspective, uh, from an AI perspective, what we're going to see is that notion which you said, goal-oriented dialogues and open domain like Alexa Prize, I think that bridge is going to get closed. They won't be different. And I'll give you why that's the case. Mm-hmm. You mentioned shopping. Uh, how do you shop? Do you shop in uh, uh, in one shot? Sure, your AA batteries, mm-hmm. uh, paper towels. Mm-hmm. Yes. How much? How long does it take for you to buy a camera? <laughs> you do ton of research. Yeah. Then you make a decision. So is there is that a goal oriented dialogue when Alexa somebody says Alexa, find me a camera? Is it simply inquisitiveness? Right, so even in the something that you think of it as shopping, which you said you yourself use a lot yeah. of, if you go beyond where it's uh, reorders or uh, items where you sort of are not brand conscious and so forth, yeah. so that was just in shopping. Yeah, I've never, you, just to comment quickly, I've never bought anything through Alexa that I haven't 
bought before. before on Amazon on the desktop after I clicked in a bunch and read a bunch of reviews, yeah. that kind of stuff. Right. So it's repurchased. So now you think in, uh, even for something that you felt like is, uh, is a finite goal, I think the space is huge because uh, even products, the attributes are many, like, and you want to look at reviews, some on Amazon, some outside, some you want to look at what CNET is saying or another uh, consumer forum is saying about even a product, for instance, right? So that's just a, that's just shopping where you could you could argue the ultimate goal is sort of known. And we haven't talked about, Alexa, what's the weather in Cape Cod this weekend, hmm. right? So why am I asking that uh, weather question, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, I think of it as how do you complete goals with minimum steps for our customers, right? And when you think of it that way, the distinction between goal-oriented and conversations for open domain sake goes away. Uh, I may want to know uh, uh, what happened in the presidential debate, right? Mm -hmm. And is it I'm seeking just information or I'm looking at who's winning, uh, uh, winning the debates, right? So these are all uh, quite hard problems. So even the five-year horizon problem, I'm like, I sure hope we'll solve these. And right? you, you're, you're optimistic because that's a hard problem. Which part? <laughs> the, the reasoning... Enough to be able to help explore complex goals that are beyond right. something simplistic. That, that feels like it could be, well, five years is a uh, is a nice is a nice bar for yeah, it, nice right? Bar. I think uh, you will. It's a like nice ambition, and and do we have press releases for that? Absolutely. Can I tell you what specifically the roadmap will be? No, yeah. <laughs> right? And what uh, and will we solve all of it in the five year space? No. This is we uh, will work on this forever. Actually, if we, uh, this is the hardest of the AI problems, and I don't see of that being solved even in a forty year horizon, because even if you limit to the human intelligence, we know we are quite far from that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, every aspects of our sensing to uh, to neural processing, to how brain uh, stores information and how it processes it. We don't yet know how to represent knowledge, right? So we are in, still in those or, uh, early stages. So I wanted to start, that's why at the five-year, yeah. <laughs> because the five-year success would look like that uh, and solving these complex goals. And the 40-year would be where it's just natural to talk to these in terms of more of these complex goals. Uh, right now, we've already come to the point where uh, these transactions you mentioned of asking for weather or uh, reordering something or listening to your favorite tune, it's natural for you to it's ask, natural, Alexa. Yeah. It's, it's now unnatural to pick up your phone, mm -hmm. right? And that, I think, is the first five-year transformation. The next five-year transformation would be, okay, I can plan my weekend with Alexa or I can plan my next meal with Alexa or my uh, next night out with seamless effort. So just to pause and look back at the big picture of it all. And so you're part of a large team that's creating a system that's in the home, that's not human, that gets to interact with human beings. So we human beings, we these descendants of apes, have created an artificial intelligence system that's able to have conversations. I mean, that, that to me, the two most transformative robots of this century, I think will be autonomous vehicles, but they're a little bit transformative in a more boring way. It's like a tool. I, I think uh, conversational agents in the home is like an experience. How does that make you feel that you're at the <laughs> center of creating that? 
it's it's did you do you sit back in awe sometimes what what is, what is your uh, what is your feeling about the whole mess of it can you even believe that we're able to create something like this i think uh, it's a privilege i'm so fortunate like where uh, uh, where i ended up <laughs> right and uh, and it's been uh, a long journey like i've been in this space for a long time in cambridge right and it's uh, it's so heartwarming to see the kind of adoption conversational agents are having now five years back it was almost like should i move out of this because yeah. we are unable to yeah. uh, find the killer application that customers would love that would not simply be a good to have thing in research labs and it's so fulfilling to see it make a difference to millions and billions of people worldwide uh, the good thing is that it's still very early <laughs> so i have another days. 20 years of job security yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing what i love like so i think from that perspective uh i feel i tell every researcher this that joins or every member of my team that this is a unique privilege like uh, i think and we have uh, and i would say not just launching alexa in 2014 which was first of its kind along the way we have uh, when we launched alexa skills kit it become became democratizing ai when before that there was no good evidence of an sdk for speech and language mm-hmm. now we are coming to this where you and i are having this conversation uh, where we, i'm not saying Oh, Lex, planning a night out with an AI agent impossible. impossible. I'm saying it's in the realm of possibility, <laughs> and not only possibility, we'll be launching this, right? So uh, some elements of that every, and uh, it will keep getting better. We know that is a universal truth. Once you have uh, these kind of agents out there being used, they get better for your customers, and I think that's where uh, I think the amount of research. topics we are throwing out at our budding researchers is just going to be exponentially hard and the great thing is you can now get immense satisfaction by having customers use it not just a paper in neurips or another okay. conference i think everyone myself included are deeply excited about that future so th- i don't think there's a better place to end rohit thank you so thank much you for so talking much. to us this was fun thank you same here thanks for listening to this conversation with rohit prasad And thank you to our presenting sponsor Cash App. Download it, use code LEXPODCAST, you'll get $10 and $10 will go to First, a STEM education nonprofit that inspires hundreds of thousands of young minds to learn and to dream of engineering our future. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe on YouTube, give it five stars on Apple Podcast, support it on Patreon, or connect with me on Twitter. And now, let me leave you with some words of wisdom. from the great Alan Turing sometimes it is the people no one can imagine anything of who do the things no one can imagine thank you for listening and hope to see you next time